things aren't great but listen marriage is a good thing it was designed by God it's the living picture to the world of the marriage between Jesus and his church a marriage based on faithfulness and oneness and mutuality and grace now it says he who finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor from the Lord now for those of you who are married right now I want you husbands look at your spouse and say you are God's gift to me Humans by nature are self-centered. From infancy, it's about meeting your own needs and desires. So humility isn't something that comes naturally. Today, Pastor Daniel shares that you have to choose to be humble. As you connect with the Lord, you'll begin to see yourself as God sees you, an amazing but broken person in need of rescue. You'll grow in humility as you make the daily choice to live in light of this truth and let it change you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Proverbs chapter 18 as he continues his message, Sound Bites. So taking care of business, all of these God's tweets, all of these little sound bites are a reminder of how do we take care of our business every day, right? Notice verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. So we take care of our business by being humble. And you have to do it every day. Humility is not something that you just get and you live with. Every day you have to choose humility. You have to choose to see yourself the way God sees you. And to treat others given that reality. The humble person is not a false sense of humility. It's the reality that they are finite. It's the reality that they are dependent upon God and other people. And that sometimes we get it wrong. So we take care of our business when we are humble. The alternative to humility is haughtiness, which happens before destruction. Verse 13, another way we take care of our business, he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Now, this speaks about speaking too hastily. Poor listening reveals that a person isn't humble. So we have to be careful not to answer a matter too quickly until we understand All that's involved. Now, the problem with this teaching is, is that all of us at some point have to make decisions given imperfect information, and everybody assumes they understand the whole story, which makes it quite unique. But the teaching, and this is so good, isn't it? It's so rubber meets the road that don't answer a matter before they hear it. And if you do, it's folly and a shame for you. What it means is that if you don't know something, simply say, I don't know. Right? That's biblical wisdom. Because if you jump into something too quickly without all the information, you're going to make a bad decision. And can we just admit all of us have done that? Right? You just think you know what's going down, and you just move into action without getting the whole story. There's an old saying that there's three sides to every story. 
The story of the person on each side of the situation and then what God sees to be true. And most of us just hear one side and we just jump into action without trying to get the whole story. And so it's a great reminder that one of the ways that we take care of business is to listen and hear all the sides before we make a judgment call on what something is. And what's challenging about it is oftentimes we never want to say that we don't know everything about everything, right? We don't want to pretend that we don't have all the information. We just assume that we get it. So one of the ways that we take care of business is to hear a matter fully before speaking on it. Verse 14, the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? Now, really this is speaking about not clinical issues, psychological issues, but this is speaking about the idea of having a healthy attitude. That's what this verse is really speaking about. The idea is that when somebody has a healthy attitude for life, it will sustain you in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? See, if you're short of resources outwardly, life can be difficult, but if you're short of them inwardly, life is insupportable. It's a great way to look at it. If you have a limited, if you have limited external resources, things will be challenging, But if you have limited internal resources, life is almost impossible to live. And again, that's why we went back to finding strength in the Lord. See, all of us hit a point where our internal resources are insufficient. And when you do that, that's when you say, if you haven't said already, I need to believe in the Lord. I know for me, my internal lack of resources was revealed when my mother died of cancer. At that juncture, I realized that the resources that I had, all of the positivity that I've always been a more positive person, the joy, the fun, all this stuff, I didn't have what could sustain me. I was bankrupt. It was so far beyond what I could handle. And then I realized something's missing. Now, I wasn't looking for Jesus at that time, but I'm like, I need something that will undergird my life. And I went on a long search And it was only when I met Jesus that I realized that Jesus has inexhaustible internal resources for us. And so you have to ask yourself, how's your attitude doing? With what's in your control, how is your outlook on life? What are you doing with your life? And I think it's really easy to just have a negative view of the world And it'll make your life harder. I remember one time reading, and I don't know if it was substantiated or not, but that 80% of physical illness is mental. That so much of it is, it's based on how we think and how we feel. Now, again, I don't know if how they, I also realize that 87.4% of all statistics are made up on the spot, just like that one. But I don't know how you research that, but it made a lot of sense that so often your outlook on life determines a lot of other things. I remember when I was playing sports, they used to say, 90% of the game is in between your ears, the other 10% is in your body, so make sure you get your mental game right. And don't miss the fact, you might say, oh, well, Fusco, that's like some kind of new agey light stuff. No, no, we have to take all of our thoughts into captivity to what? To the obedience of Christ. Our thought lives matter. 
And so how's your attitude? One of the ways we take care of business is we make sure we have a healthy attitude that can sustain you. And the best way to make sure you have a healthy attitude is to read your Bible and to walk with the Lord. Because what happens when you walk with the Lord and you have a, a lousy attitude, the Spirit of God says, you know, you are having a lousy attitude. And your countenance is not reflecting the finished work of Jesus or my presence in your life. The fruit of my spirit is joy and love and kindness and peace. And you're like, you're being none of those right now. See, getting into God's word makes us view the world from a different place. I don't know how many times maybe me and Lynn had a disagreement, which you, for those of you women who are in women's ministry, you realize that when me and Lynn have a disagreement, the issue is always on my side of the fence. You know this, right? And so it's like when I have a disagreement and I go into my quiet time and I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, like you need to speak to your daughter because, and the Lord, you know, and I, I can say that out loud because I know all of us go into our quiet times like that at some time or another, right? You go and be like, Lord, you need to fix them. You don't mean, Lord, come on. They're your kid, Lord, you know, like. You go in like that, and then all of a sudden the Lord's like, Daniel, where's the grace? Where's the patience? Where's the love? Oh, and where's the humility to realize that you're really the one who's got the problems? See, that's what happens when you walk with the Lord. He checks you. That's what he does. He loves us too much to keep us that way. He says, listen, I don't want you to stay that way. I want you to do something different. I want to change you. That's how we take care of business. And then all of a sudden our attitude changes. It totally changes. It's beautiful. Notice verse 15. The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ears of the wise seeks knowledge. So one of the ways we can take care of business is to acquire and seek after knowledge. Good information. And the wisdom is the ability to apply that information. Verse 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. This verse was really important to me because when I first felt called into ministry, I talked to a pastor and I said, I feel called into ministry. What do I do? And he quoted me this verse. So let me pray for you. A man's gift will make room for them and bring them before great men. Powerful reality that one of the ways we can take care of business is when you allow your gifts to make room for you and you steward them well and you allow God to do what he wants to do with them. I was talking with a really long-term pastor one time, and I was just asking as a younger pastor, I said, you know, so how'd you do it? How'd you get here? And he said, you know, sometimes the winner is just the last person standing. Such a power, like, it was such like a simple thing to say, but the guy had been in ministry for 40 years. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He didn't stop. He just kept going. That's stewarding the gifts that God has given you. I think for some of you right now, I think about it with marriage. I think for some of you who are married, marriage is hard. And you could come up with infinite reasons to throw in the towel, except the Lord would say, you made a commitment, do it for life. And I think so many people eject before they can see God's breakthrough. I think if for so many people, some of you here, you're single, Right? And you're willing to settle for somebody who's not really a good, not God's choice for you. Why? Because you're not willing to trust that God will provide the right person. And so you make a, you make a snap decision as if God doesn't have something better for you. 
See, part of a gift-making room for somebody is stewarding it well. That's how we take care of business. Pretty good, right? So when I say taking care of business, what do you do? Taking care of business. Everyone always giggles. I know it sounds so fun. So what do we have so far? This is good. What was the first one? Foolishness, be gone. Second one, find strength. And then taking care of business. Good. All right. Look at the next one. Verse 17. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. Casting lots, verse 18, causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. Verse 20, a man's stomach shall be satisfied with the fruit from his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Simply, these verses teach us to make peace. Make peace. Go ahead. So what do we do? Make peace. Everyone knows that's the universal sign for, can I get two more, please? No. (laughs) Make peace. All of these verses speak about the act of peacemaking. Now, it's interesting. In verse 17, it reminds us of why we shouldn't just respond without hearing a whole matter. Because in verse 17, the first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. See, what it says is that when somebody makes their case to you about something, right, it always seems right until someone comes and says, well, hey, what about this and what about this and how does this work? See, and that's why, again, that's why gossip is wrong. And that's why, because gossip is talking to somebody about something that they have absolutely no control over that maligns somebody else. It always seems right until someone else comes and says, well, hey, did you know this? Did you know this? Did you know this? Did you know this? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, I didn't know all that stuff. See, and you ever feel like you're flip-flopping? Because when one side of the story is told, that seems right. And then the other side of the story is told. And you're like, oh, that's how that works. And so one of the ways to be a peacemaker is to realize, as we said already, that there's multiple sides to a story. And when you hear both of them, right as you hear something, don't assume that that's the whole story. That's just part of the story that you heard. And there's always other sides to it. That's one of the ways to be a peacemaker is to always assume there might be more to the story than what I've been told. Does that make sense? And that makes for us to be more peaceful and less aggressive when there are disputes. Right after that, it's beautiful because it says, casting lot causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart. Now, casting of lots, kind of like the drawing of straws, was a common way in Bible times to trust in God's providence. You'll say, okay, we're going to cast lots and wherever the lot falls, we're going to trust that that's what God wants. And so the idea for peacemaking is to realize that God has a plan. When I read about casting lots, I mean, didn't they cast lots and they chose Matthias to be the apostle who would come and replace Judas Iscariot? Now, some commentators want to say, oh, that was a bad decision. The Spirit hadn't been given yet and all that stuff. It's really Apostle Paul. And that may be so or maybe not. We know that that's what they did. Right? So the idea is casting lots was a belief that God had a plan and God would make his plan known. Now, you see why that makes for peace for people? When you realize sometimes people want different things. And then you say, well, you know what? I bet God wants something. 
So let's pray and seek him together. Let's see what God wants to do. And we can trust that maybe God's will isn't what you want or what I want. It's what God wants. See, trusting in the providence of God makes for our peace. Verse 19, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. Now, this is one of those unfortunate statements of reality that we all don't love that much. And that's that sometimes when someone's offended, it's really hard to win them back. And so the biblical teaching is, is try and make peace long before someone's so offended that you can't win them back. But you realize, and you know this, that the Bible tells us that we should make peace when it's within our power, which means that you and I should be proactively seeking to make peace with people. But we can't make someone be at peace with us. All we can do is do the best we can. And especially when we've been in the wrong, all you can do is say, I'm so sorry. I I totally messed up. Will you forgive me? And they might say yes, and they might say no. But our job is not to make somebody be at peace with us. Our job is to be proactively a peacemaker. See, Jesus is the ultimate example of this, isn't he? Because Jesus came to make peace for all humanity, but not everybody will let him. See, if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, Jesus died on a cross for your sins. And if you believe in Jesus, God will forgive you of everything you've ever done and everything you'll ever do, and God will fill you with his Holy Spirit and fit you for eternity so that you can live eternity in the presence of God. Jesus has done that for you. You might say, well, I don't want that. Thank you anyway, Jesus. And guess what? You don't receive all the blessings of a relationship with God and heaven after that, the abundant life now and the eternal life in the hereafter. But Jesus set it up for you. He did. But it's up to you to say, okay. Sure, we can debate whether or not God calls us and how all that works. But the idea is that Jesus proactively made peace with anybody who would say yes to him. So if you're here today, you've never said yes to Jesus, you might want to. He has set the stage for your salvation. But you have to say, God, I want that. I'm in. So we make peace. And then, again, we we get this idea again of of our language. Language pops up again. A man's stomach shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. And so one of the ways we can make peace is with the words that we use. The words that we use will either bring satisfaction or leanness internally. So what do we have? We have foolishness, what? Big on. We find strength, taking care of business. And then we have make peace. Verse 22, look what it says. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. The poor man uses entreaties, but the rich answers Roughly, a man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So we close with this one, that we need to be God's blessing. And on that, I just want you to just put your hand on your heart. Be God's blessing. These are beautiful verses here. Very important for us. Notice, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. 
The idea here is that a good marriage is a great gift from a great God. Now, you have to realize this because the Bible talks a lot about marriage. And we live in a day and age where people are like, well, I'm single and that's why I don't like the Bible. Listen, back in the Bible times, almost everybody was married. Girls were getting married at 13, 14-year-olds. Men were getting married at 16, 17. And they were arranged marriages. So it was, most people were married. Now, even though in our culture, people, we don't have arranged marriages. And everyone's saying what to that? Amen. You're like, I don't want who my parents would choose for me. <laughs> right? I'm saying the same thing. Lynn's dad would never let her marry me, man, if it wasn't for the grace of God. My goodness, you know? But the idea here is that marriage is a good thing. And listen, I realize people come from broken marriages and things have gone wrong and things aren't great. But listen, marriage is a good thing. It was designed by God. It's the living picture to the world of the marriage between Jesus and his church. A marriage based on faithfulness and oneness and mutuality and grace. Now, it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor from the Lord. Now, for those of you who are married right now, I want you husbands, look at your spouse and say, you are God's gift to me. Now, you wives, I want you to look at your husband and say, and you are God's gift to me. Go ahead. Now, you got to ask yourself, are you God's blessing to your spouse? <laughs> it's a good question, isn't it? Because if the man who finds a wife finds good thing in favor from the Lord, and by extension, it goes both directions, you got to ask yourself, am I God's blessing to this person? Now, listen, if you're here today and you're singing, you'd be like, well, what does it have to do with me, Fusco? Listen, nobody becomes God's blessing on their wedding day. You decide to be God's blessing, and God works you to be a blessing long before your wedding day. I'm so grateful that when I got saved, I wasn't married at that time. And I remember being single for seven years as a Christian, just saying, God, I would love a spouse, but while I don't have a spouse, you might want to help me so that whenever you bring your daughter into my life, I'm not a total train wreck for that poor girl. So you got to be God's blessing. We want to be God's blessing. In verse 23, we realize that social status can determine a tone of voice. A poor man is always asking for things, but a rich man is always barking and directing. Now, what's interesting about it is that might be the way the world works, but is that the way God's kingdom works? Oh. See, whether you see yourself as wealthy or impoverished, you should be God's blessing with your words. You should have equal parts humility and grace in the way that you talk with people. Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel finished out this study of Proverbs 18 by sharing that God intended marriage to be a living picture of the relationship between Jesus and the church. You learned that a good marriage is a great blessing. If you aren't married, Pastor Daniel encouraged you to consider how you're preparing yourself to be a blessing to your future spouse. And for those who are already married, he asked you to think about how you bring life and blessing to your relationship with your spouse. 
If you've enjoyed Pastor Daniel's teaching today on Jesus is Real Radio, we'd like to invite you to join us at Crossroads Community Church for our Sunday services at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you can't come in person, you can still be part of our vital congregation by tuning in to our live stream. Find out more at crossroadschurch.net. That's crossroadschurch.net. Hi, friends. Pastor Daniel here. I'd love for you to be part of the Crossroads Community Church family. But I understand some of our listeners can't make it to the actual church building. If that's you, come join us online. We live stream our Sunday morning services at crossroadschurch.net. So grab a cup of coffee and join us wherever you are for our time of worship and teaching. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share about the Proverbs 31 woman. As you study the list of virtues laid out in this passage you'll see how God has placed these characteristics in the heart of every woman. Pastor Daniel will remind you that God's intention isn't to put them under a pile, but to help women grow and be all he's made them to be. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called God's Tweets. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.